I encourage mm-hmm. people, don't be afraid to share your dreams with someone or more than one person, even if it's in the beginning stages, because you will find support even if you don't think you will. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello, and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today we are going to talk about some of the benefits of the writing process and the benefits of having a book that go beyond book sales. And as some of you may know, if you listen to this podcast with any kind of frequency, you've probably heard me talk about this a little bit here and there about why it's important to not only think about book sales when we're thinking about what a book can do for you. And today, I have a very special guest who I believe really embodies and exemplifies this to the highest degree. So, Genevieve Paturo was once a successful TV executive, but she found her purpose when a six-year-old girl's question rocked her life, and she jumped off the corporate ladder and founded the nonprofit Pajama Program, which in the year of 2022 celebrated its 21st anniversary, having delivered, and get ready for this, more than 7 million new pairs of pajamas and new books to children through the 43 chapters of her organization across the United States. Genevieve is a professional speaker and purpose consultant, and she shares life and leadership lessons from her award-winning Amazon bestseller, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. Genevieve most recently has been interviewed on Oprah, The Today Show, Good Morning America, The Early Show, CNN, Fox and Friends. And she's also appeared in the Wall Street Journal, O Magazine, Forbes and Parenting Magazine. And today, Genevieve is going to share with us some very helpful insights in regarding her process of creating her organization and stepping out, way out on that limb leaving a successful corporate job, starting this organization as a passion project, and then how she turned that into a career and the pivotal role that her book played in that process. So I hope that you enjoy and that you leave this interview as inspired as I did. Genevieve, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thank you, Robin. So nice to be here. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you here because I've had several clients in the past who have had, and actually currently even, who have foundations or other nonprofit kind of organizations. And I have seen firsthand how a book can be so beneficial in to a nonprofit entity. And But something that you 
talked about in our pre-interview communication is going a little bit deeper to the emotional bond that you can create with a reader through a book. So now I'm just teasing our audience because I'm going to make them wait to hear you answer that question. And I would just love to have you share with us a little bit more about your background and what led you to decide to write a book. Sure. Well, I was climbing the corporate ladder. That's what I always wanted to do. And that's what I was pursuing. And I loved it. And I'm the firstborn of an Italian, two Italian parents, my father off the boat from Italy. Wow. And they both, I know, expected their firstborn to have a family and give them grandchildren, the traditional Italian way. And I was having none of that. I wanted <laughs> to be Mary Tyler Moore's Mary Richards. And that was my dream. And I worked hard and I was there. I was getting there anyway. 12 years in of a very busy, crazy workaholic life in Manhattan, in the TV business, single, no children. I had one afternoon, I heard a voice in me ask me a question. And the question was, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? Oh. And Robin, that stopped me cold. I bet. I'd never heard it, or at least I'd never paid attention if I had heard it. But for some reason, in that moment, I paid attention. And I realized that although my parents' dream for me wasn't my dream, there was some truth in family and having a family. And I had skipped that. Mm. So I thought, how could I bring children into my life? Mm. And I'd seen recently an awful story about a child molested by parents and taken to an emergency shelter. And I thought, my goodness, how many of these children are out there and where are these emergency shelters? And I called the police and I asked them, where do you bring these kids? And they told me about some emergency shelters and every city has at least one and, and more. And I called and I asked them if I could come and read to the children at night. That was a possibility. And this was pre-9-11. And their answer was, oh, sure. You sound like a nice person. Come right. on. <laughs> we don't, don't need try a that now. check or anything. <laughs> Not then. <laughs> And I went in excited with storybooks, you know, after work in my business suit. And I sat, they showed me to this room, which is pretty bare. There weren't any chairs for adults, just a few little chairs for small little kids. And I sat on the floor in my suit and they brought in these little beautiful children, you know, and it was an emergency shelter. So the children were brought in, you know, just a little bit before I got there. And some of them were in clothes that were soiled and torn and broke my heart and they were silent. Some have been really yeah. traumatized and they yeah. were trying to keep them calm so that they could process them, which I hate that word, process them. Mm. And they sat down and I read stories. And I did this once, twice a week, different kids every time. And I never felt more grounded. There was something there in the silence that connected me to them and them to me. Mm. And one night, weeks in, I was wondering where they went after I left, where they were going to sleep. And I followed and I peered into that room, which broke my heart again. And it was bare also, and two or three kids up on surfaces, some in the clothes they've been wearing for who knows how long. And I saw immediately the memories of my mom at our bedside, four of us kids, two girls and my sister and I in the room, my brothers and another, and the stories and the giggling and the snacks and mm. the hugging and the sweet nothings and, of course, pajamas. And I'm right? looking at <laughs> that's what stood out. I said, where are the pajamas? I, I thought mm. to myself. So as the staff were trying to push me out, I guess I was sort of paralyzed in that watching this scene, I just said, can I bring some pajamas next week? 
And one of the ladies said, that would be lovely. We do everything we can, but nobody ever thinks of pajamas. So I was all excited. I brought pajamas with the books the next time. And I started handing them out. And the kids took them, you know, and silently. There was one little girl. She came up to about my hips and lopsided pigtails and a soiled top and shoes like size 10. She must have been five or six. As I tried to give her her pajamas, she backed away. She was so afraid of me. She just shook her head. No, 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 no. And she kept doing that. I couldn't figure out why. And She didn't want to leave. She wanted to watch me give them to the rest of the children. Uh, and she stood on the side and a, a staff person at the end went to take her to the other room, but she didn't want to go. I went back over to her with the pajamas over my shoulder, the pink ones that I wanted to give her. And I tried again and I gently had her touch the pajamas, how soft they were. She could have them. They'd be hers. They would fit her. And she leaned in and she just very slowly and so timidly asked me, what are pajamas? Wow. And that was the beginning of the end, shall we say. <laughs> the beginning any, of the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, both. An end and the beginning of yeah. end of any passion I felt for the career I had built and just the obsession and the passion for finding all of these children, as many as I could find, and giving them pajamas so they could go to sleep. But the thoughts that ran through my mind were just how could they sleep? How much right. love are they missing? A simple yeah. thing that keeps uh. them warm and you know, I was 22, 23 years ago, and mm. it's taken me at least half that time to really understand that it really isn't about the material, and it wasn't about that for me. It was the stability, the love, the comfort, the foundation my mom gave us in those moments, the bonding, the secrets, the tell anything, and knowing that she'd be there in the morning, and all of that was missing for these mm. children, yeah. and that was just unacceptable to me. So how many kids have you helped to bring pajamas to in well, all these years? Or in these years, over 7 million, uh, 40 plus (laughs) chapters. So it's national. And I am the founder and I was the executive director for the first 20 years. And then I wanted to write my book, my story, because over the years, people wanted to know more. They wanted to know how did I have the courage to do what I did? And could they, and could I mentor them? Could I coach them? Could they tell me their real desires for what they want to do? And I realized that there was this need for me to sort of take the next step and I found my purpose, but maybe there was another way I could express it and help. Mm. So I wanted to write the book and speak, which is what I'm doing now. So we passed the baton, executive director now, Jamie, she was a president of our board. I was happy to pass it on to her. And so she does that and, and I talk and tell our story and you know, try to inspire people and encourage and support them in finding their purpose and talking about the human connection and how that's you know, finding a purpose and leading with meaning and human connection, I feel the purpose, the pillars of success. Yeah, that's fantastic. And now going back to that original seed that I planted at the very beginning of the interview, because when you wrote back to me and mentioned about that emotional connection that you can make with the reader and how powerful that is, that really stood out to me because I think that's something that a lot of authors fail to appreciate the importance of, especially in the nonfiction space, right? Especially in like that informational kind of book space. But I really feel like it's essential in any kind of book that you write. So could you share a little bit about how you made that discovery for yourself or how that impacted your book and your writing? Well, I knew, I think it's a fair statement that most people read alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the quiet time we give ourselves where no one is listening to what we're thinking, where 
as honest as we can be about ourselves when we're reading a story, especially like you said, someone's true story, there's naturally something you feel about what they're doing. And I think I was hoping because when I would speak to people, I would hear that they wanted to know more and they wanted some support and they were afraid when I was afraid and they were static when I had a win. So I was hoping that by giving them a short couple hundred pages to read in their quiet time and to fill it and fill it with honest ups and downs and everything I did from day one and how afraid I was and how, you know, the highs and lows that it would somehow resonate in the private corners of their heart. And they might be able to take something honest from it about their own lives. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point. I love when you say they're reading and no one's listening to their thoughts. And that is such a beautiful way to put that experience of reading where you are almost alone with your thoughts. But if the author has done their job, you're not totally alone with your thoughts because you have that feeling of connection with the author. Yes, that's what we all strive for when we're writing our books, our authors. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we all should strive for. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about how writing a book Something else you you said is writing a book forces the author to find connections with readers without speaking in front of them. And I think this is really interesting because you do both, right? You've authored book and you speak. Would you speak a little bit for our listeners to that distinction and how you view that difference? Well, first it's the length, right? So you can't, maybe you can, but most people can't read a book in 45 minutes and, and take it in. <laughs> I probably men can, but I don't. <laughs> Me <laughs> and, either. And okay. <laughs> so when I speak, I'm aware that there are many different people in the audience. I'm aware that I have basically 45 minutes, sometimes half an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, but basically a set amount of time. And I have to get everything that I want to get in. And I always want to please the audience and make sure I'm giving them what they came to hear. So it's a really edited version of my story. And there's just a little bit of time for ups and downs and examples of what I was afraid and the real meat of what people can connect to. So in my book, I wanted to give them things that that would conjure images in their mind, would take them from point A to B all the way to Z step by step without skipping over some of the stuff that was maybe not so much fun to go through Mm. or share all the wins because sharing the big and the small wins, I tell people, is really necessary. So a book, and again, there's nobody in next to you in an audience sharing what they think, and you're not afraid to say something because you're just saying it to yourself. So it's so much meanier to have Mm -hmm. someone read details and to, again, not have to make a conversation about it with anyone else and consider what the other person's thinking. It's all about you. It's all about the reader. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even about the writer. It's about the reader. Amen to that. I wish I heard that more often. (laughs) (laughs) That is the diary, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. If it's all about you, save it for your journal. Yeah, I agree. And that is such an important thing. And I think just to add to that, because one of the ways that I view that is that it's important that the reader feels seen by the author. 
So you're not just telling your story. Another way I put it is you're not writing at the reader, right? You're writing to the reader. You are engaged in more of a conversation. When people write, say conversational tone, that doesn't mean write how you speak because that involves way too many words and adverbs, especially. But it really means writing as if that person's sitting right across from you or right next to you. And right from your heart, because that's yes, where somebody else is going to take it in. Yes. Reading alone, unless you're reading a textbook for school or for a class or for a degree or something, you're reading because you want to feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to feel seen by the author. And I think that that's something that you've caught on to that it's a real nuance that you've identified. So are you sure this is your first book? (laughs) Yes, it's my first book. You know, when you write about your life, if you're honest, there's something that we all can relate to in everyone's life. There Mm -hmm. is something, if not more than one thing. And if you're honest and you share the worst of times and the best of times, I think people appreciate that honesty. And it gives them a breath to say, okay, she didn't know everything because what's stopping me from doing what I really love is I don't know anything. Well, look, she didn't either. And she's mm-hmm. honest about it. Maybe I can call her up and she can talk to me. And of course, I welcome that because I know how the silence, I didn't tell anybody what I was thinking and doing for a long time and how that really hurt me. So I encourage mm-hmm. people, don't be afraid to share your dreams with someone or more than one person, even if it's in the beginning stages, because you will find support and you, even if you don't think you will. So can you give me an example of that? So what I'm hearing you say is you were starting to get some ideas about starting a nonprofit. What were some of those early ideas that you were afraid to share about? Oh my goodness. What am I thinking? I don't know a thing about nonprofits. How am I going to pay my mortgage? How can I even, what words do I use to say to somebody what I'm thinking of doing and the investment people had. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to make a fool of myself. And it goes on and on. And I include some in my book. And the example in my book was I thought, okay, I have to take a chance. I have to see how this sounds to a human being because it was in my head and it sounded stupid. So I asked a friend, not a very good friend, I calculated a decision on telling somebody if it went all right, then I'd have a supporter. And if it went all wrong, that she wasn't close enough to do damage to me, either my career or my heart. Uh, so I carefully uh. chose someone and set up uh, having a drink. And after two glasses of wine, I got my courage up. And I said what I rehearsed in my mind. I'm thinking about leaving my career. I met this little girl. I told her the story I just told you, Robin. And I just can't stop thinking about these kids that I've been going and bringing books and reading and pajamas and it's just the most amazing way to give someone love and and i said that and she looked at me and she said are you serious really can't you do that like on saturday how are you going to make a living do you know anything about it why would you do that you're not really changing their lives and it was like being swatted batted being pummeled one two three and i had no answers Mm, right so so spooked me and Mm. i just felt myself just so upset and shrinking and i left so disheartened and also just coming down on myself for like why did i even think this was something Mm. and if she reacted that way how can i ever 
And I knew it. I said it to myself and I still took a chance and said it to somebody out loud. I just berated myself. And it took me a while to get up the courage again. And thank God I did. And if I had done it earlier, if I had tried again, I would have found support. But I let that really scar me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a big blow. That was (laughs) very big blow. You didn't mince any words there. Yeah. But but you said you asked, you shared again. So that's the key. Yeah. I went to somebody, I made the mistake of going to somebody that I didn't know how they would support me no matter what I decided to say. I could I want to join the circus. I want to whatever. And then when I realized maybe I should have, I did. I went to my mom and she was uh-huh. honest. She said, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I know you'll do it. Huh. And then I met a, a great guy. And I said, oh, I better tell him what I'm thinking because he thinks he's getting into this two-income relationship. (laughs) And I said to him pretty much what I said to her. And he said, I think you should go for it. And I said, okay, this is the one. There you go. And and then I could deal. I had my cheerleaders and then I could move forward. And that's all you need. You just need to get your cheerleaders lined up before you you take on any, any bullets. Yeah, that is so true. How about writing your book? Did you have cheerleaders for that? And how did you create that? I did. Yeah, I worked with editors. So I had professional yeah. cheerleaders, which I recommend. And I help. Yes. Yeah. Now I help people write books because I know a little more than I knew before I started to write my book. And people had said over the years, you're going to write a book. And I wanted to, but I couldn't do it while I was the executive director for genre program. There was no time. I tried and never could finish it. So that's another reason why when I passed the baton of the executive directorship, I knew I had no excuse. I wanted to write it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And so tell us now about how having the book, I'd love for you to share about how that has affected your speaking career and also what it's done for the organization. Well, it's funny because I made this whole decision before COVID. Mm-hmm. to pass the baton, to write a book, and to speak. And there's nothing like speaking to a live audience. And yeah. who knew what right. was looming around the corner a couple of years ago? And here I am, happily writing my book, following my deadlines from the editor, and thinking like everyone did think a month or two in, oh, it'll be done by Easter. Oh, it'll be done by summer. Oh, this thing's <laughs> going to go away. You know, And it never went, it didn't go away that fast. So when the editor said, this book is coming out in COVID, I really immediately thought, okay, there's a reason. Because if you read my book, you will see there's always a reason. And if you believe, you will be shown the reason. And I said, okay, I'm not going to ask for an extension. I'm just going to take it. There's a reason. And the title, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, the word pivot, the P word switched to purpose in the last year of COVID last six months and still that's on everyone's lips and I'm so happy that people found my book and found that there was somebody who understands purpose enough to take a big risk because so many people were considering a big risk during COVID. Genevieve do we have you to thank for the great resignation is that what you're telling me? (laughs) No no but there's definitely something that I will always stay true to, (laughs) that you have to do what you love. And if you can't jump, I often talk about the slide, slide whatever it is into your life. If you have to make money and you like your job, might not be the best thing in the world. Maybe you always wanted to be a singer like Mariah Carey, 
but then sing. Sing in your life. Join a choir. Join something. Take some lessons. And mm -hmm. my coaching, I find with the person who wants to make a change, so many ways that you just you don't realize you can bring slide that passion and your purpose into your life. Absolutely. I totally agree. I know this show's about my guests, but I got to share this because my hobby is I'm a lead singer in a classic rock cover band and we formed during COVID. And so our band name is maybe next week because oh. that was our rehearsal schedule for the first 18 months. <laughs> that's so clever. But I have always had a passion for music and singing. And that's what I did. Even during COVID, I got back into my singing lessons and wow, things started to open up. We were out playing gigs. So yeah. there you go, listeners. Wow. It's that, real. I don't, we only play for, mainly, mainly we play for snacks, but <laughs> the passion is the key. <laughs> yes, yes. And it really changes how you see the world. You can still mm -hmm. go to a banking job or whatever job that might not be, you feel fulfilling, but bringing, sliding that passion into your life shines a light on you. And you need that. We need to have a light on ourselves. And I just really, it's so funny that you say like, there's a reason, right? Because it seems to me that your book, you know, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas couldn't have come at a better time because we all needed to find that, rekindle that sense of purpose and passion. And we were mostly in our pajamas. So right. <laughs> <laughs> at least from the waist down, anyway. Yes, pajamas and sweats. <laughs> I made a lot of money on pajamas and sweats. <laughs> so you say your organization is nationwide now. How yes. many chapters do you have? I'm curious. Over 40 local wow, chapters. Wow. Yeah, we serve as children we serve children in every city in every state that's so exciting so well tell me a little bit about okay because the other part of my question was how has the book impacted the organization like how do you utilize the book to bring awareness to the organization or to fundraise for the organization like are there roles are there applications that you've given the book in terms of supporting your nonprofit or how's the relationship work out there? Well, it's very organic. I knew that I was in a position to talk about pajama program as the founder, right? So it's not send money to pajama program. It's an inspirational read for those who are looking to fulfill their purpose, their heart's calling. So that message happens to be weaved through the story of why and how Pajama Program came to be. So sometimes the book will prompt a speaking organization to hire me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those in the audience will be inspired to donate mm -hmm. or to have a drive. So mm -hmm. it's organic. And sometimes the other way around, they'll hear the speech. And if the organization hasn't purchased books for everyone, people will buy it, learn about it. Mm -hmm. And then connect with pajama program or ask me for an introduction. So I've sort of left that up to yeah. the reader. Yeah. This is why you should give to pajama program. It's not all right. the things that we do as compared to all of It's not that at all. It's mm -hmm. a story, an unlikely story of yeah. what happened one day and the question that came to me that I listened to. So it's yeah. more about that. 
Then well, and that's why it's enrolling, right? Because- <laughs> I hope so. As it turns because- out, I hope so. Right. If it were just about, and we're so great because of this and we do that, right. then right. it wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, and give, 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 right? Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's more like give to yourself. Give this gift to yourself yeah. of finding out what it is that's missing in your life as far as your, your heart's concerned. So have you ever had readers reach out to you and tell you how the book has impacted them? Yeah, thankfully, I do. I love hearing from people and reviewers and always nervous about the reviews, but thankfully, they've been encouraging and people share their stories. And I always offer, as I do to your listeners, if anybody wants to brainstorm or whatever, you know, I do coach, but I always talk to a person for the first time for free just to help be a soundboard. And people, I think, appreciate that because they're afraid, like I was, to tell their significant other or their parent, I don't want to be an accountant. I want to be a ballet dancer. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes it's hardest, especially depending on your circumstances. Like, I think that there's sometimes like our first inclination is to go to a close family member, but they're not always the most supportive because there's, there can be a fear that you'll change or that they'll lose you. I think it doesn't necessarily come out of a meanness, but it is important to think about who you share your idea with when it's just a baby seedling. It needs to be shared with somebody who's going to have a soft touch. Yeah. And then I don't think people are afraid. And I don't remember where I heard this from. I think Bob Proctor. Mm. I don't think, as he says, I agree. People aren't afraid that you're going to change. They're afraid that you're going to change them. They're going to change. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I heard him say (laughs) that. that. Yeah. And I thought that's very interesting and very true. Yeah. Yeah. I love Bob Proctor. <laughs> me too, me too. Lots, of, lots of nuggets of wisdom and more. Yeah, this stuff is amazing. And that sounds very much like something he would teach. Yeah. <laughs> and how wonderful. I was thinking about that moment when you told that first person. And I can really see a clear purpose for that too, right? Where now you are putting yourself out there as the safe sounding board for people. And what a gift that that I hope is. So. I hope so. Yeah, for people to have that as well. And also, you also have experience, right? So it's not just a encouraging voice, but it's also somebody who could probably give some good constructive advice as well. Yeah, save people a lot of steps that were I are unnecessary. <laughs> Can't tell you I'm going to save you the sleepless nights. You will have them. Right. But there are other things that I hope you will learn to do better than I did. Yeah, there's always, anytime you start something new, there's all, well, actually, it doesn't, it never ends. Who are we kidding? <laughs> not, not, <laughs> right, because right, if that is your gene, I have that gene, keep jumping into something else. And if you have that gene once, you have that gene and it'll, it'll come up again. Right, right. Just exactly. get used to the fear, the poverty, the worry. <laughs> yeah. And you just start over. <laughs> just keep going. Exactly. Yeah. I have a saying that I tell myself when I'm, going through because I have found that a lot of times, like right before you're about to make a big step up, you have what feels like a down. And I tell myself, remember, every time you jump, you always bend your knees. Good. Right? Yeah. Because you gotta go down to spring up. Yeah. Like just try that's great, Robin. Yeah. And if you try jumping without bending your knees, it's pretty funny. Yeah. 
You kind of look like a little peg trying to hop. Like a wooden egg trying to jump up and down. Anyway, that would be great to have had video on for that. Anyway. So, all right. We are just like burned through my questions and this has been so amazing. So I'm going to give you one last question, which is my signature final question. (laughs) And that is, what have I not asked you that you would love to answer? Maybe there's something in the support of a partner through a major change. Mm. Because a lot of times that's what stops someone from making that change. The fear of not having the support and how that changes a relationship. And again, when I coach and, and I ask, what is the relationship like? Is this going to be a shock to someone? And also, of course, it's a financial consideration. And mm. Who are you responsible for? You know, it's one of the first questions I ask mm-hmm. someone the question, who are you responsible to and for? And I talk honestly in my book that I met this great guy. I knew he was the one for me and he felt the same. And then I embarked on this crazy 180 and became obsessed. And I wasn't true to the partnership because it wasn't 50 50. He was 95 giving me 95 and I was giving back five and I was mm-hmm. demanding 95 because this was important. And didn't he mm-hmm. agree? And, and how could you, you said, go for it Well, I'm going for it. And how could you think I could go out here and do out, do that. And we could afford this and it wasn't going to be stressful. So that is also a big part of what I hope to help people through. It's There are lessons I learned that I certainly would do differently, but I didn't. I did me, and he. we figured it out together. Yeah. But that's something to know from the start and to talk about from mm-hmm. the start because mm-hmm. there is always one person that's impacted, whether it's a child, a parent, a husband, a wife, an employer. Mm-hmm. And thinking that through... I would have given it more consideration and I would have been more thoughtful through it. But entrepreneurs tend to be leap before you look. (laughs) Exactly. A jumper. So you have to sort of balance that and be honest Mm -hmm. with yourself and with the people whose lives are going to be affected. Well, that's fantastic that you guys are still together and made it through that period. It speaks to your early recognition being accurate to me. <laughs> well, he was right in pointing out I was obsessed and maybe I could have spared one evening with him, but to me, every minute counted for the kids. So, right. but there was probably a better way to handle it. But right. yes, <laughs> so I don't know if there was a question in there, Robin. Or just no, me. I was just saying that clearly he was really supportive and forgiving and patient and that worked out well, and you were obviously willing to learn and grow. So that's- Yeah, I had to. Right. I didn't yeah. want to lose him. So I, I had to, but I can yeah. see where it doesn't always work out. And that's a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Me. Anyway, congratulations. Because that's also an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back. Yeah. When I read the book. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> On paper, I was really selfish. <laughs> <laughs> And that chapter, ladies and gentlemen, is called Bad on Paper. (laughs) (laughs) And he would say it wasn't just on paper. (laughs) And he'd be right. Well, Genevieve, this has been such a delight to have you here. And I just want to thank you again for your 
humor and your generosity and for being with us today on The Author's Corner. Oh, thank you. I really loved our conversation, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.